Well, good morning. My wife gave the most appropriate greeting today when she sent a text to our family, and it said this, Happy Christmas Eve. So say that with me. Happy Christmas Eve. All right? So we are on the cusp of that wonderful night we call the most holy night. I'm also glad that this year we didn't put any ornaments on the tree. I know. It's blasphemous, I think. But, but instead, my wife had the idea of putting cards on the tree that we received. And she began to just place these cards around the tree. So we have, we have like two ornaments and a couple other things hanging. And the rest are all just Christmas cards, seeing people's faces, seeing greetings. And they're all over the place. We, we received a lot of cards. We could not put them all on there. But the tree is soon to be eclipsed by nothing but cards and greetings. It's really kind of great. I, I went through those cards and I, and I looked for those cards where... There was a specific greeting that was given, and you probably received the same thing. Did anyone receive Peace on Earth cards? Not many Peace on Earth cards. We got several Peace on Earth cards. And I began to think about it. I wonder if on that first Christmas, did Mary write a Peace on Earth card? You know, I doubt it. Because there was, there was anything but peace on earth in her world. Peace. Peace. Can there be peace on earth? Peace. Do you have peace? in your soul. Peace. That's the longing of the entire creation. The Bible calls it groaning in Romans chapter 8. The whole creation groans for God to bring peace by making all things right. But whether watching a war-torn world or facing the brokenness of our own relationships, we long for peace. Why is it that so many people resonate with this line in this beloved Christmas carol. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. You know the story, I'm sure, that Longfellow's tragedy was compounded when his wife had lost a child, then his wife died in a tragic, tragic house fire. And, and then the Civil War was ripping apart the country, and a musket round ripped apart part of their son's body. And it became dark, and depression set in. And he wrote those words expressing the heart of his broken heart and of a nation that was broken. That was 160 years ago this year. But they capture, they could have been written yesterday, they capture the view we have as we look out at Ukraine and Russia. 
as we look out at Israel and Gaza, as, as we look out at the civil war that's ripping apart Sudan. There is no peace on earth, they say. And yet there are some words that we also want to hear, words that we want to be part of our Christmas story, and I believe every single person wants them to be part of their Christmas story, whether they believe there is a God or not. And they are these words. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Pastor Leo read for us today portions of Psalm 89, and in there, nowhere in that psalm do you see the word shalom. Do you see the word peace? Nowhere. But what you do see is you see captured a picture of this baby that we're going to celebrate being born in a manger. We hear these words, the psalmist instructs us, I will sing of your steadfast love, O Lord. Forever with my mouth I will proclaim your faithfulness to all generations. Stare into the manger, and what you see is the steadfast love of God. What you see is the faithfulness of God, the faithful presence of God. It's the words of the angel to Mary that tell us who this God is. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. Let's not just get so familiar with those words that they don't just blow us away. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. This God, who showed up in the irreverence, in the unsacredness of the manger shows up in the unsacredness, in the irreverence, in the worst part of our lives and our world. He just shows up. He shows up and he offers us grace. I don't know if you can improve upon the definition of grace that's given in Psalm 89 verse 2. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. Grace. God's love and faithfulness extended toward us. And that is where we find peace. But what do you think peace is? What is peace? Peace. That which taps into the longing for something better than what the world has to offer us. And we do wonder if it is even possible. And maybe you're sitting here today and you've already come to a conclusion. Nope. Not possible. But then we remember God's love is steadfast. We remember God's faithfulness is forever. And that has been God's posture towards mankind forever. And this is what that looks like. This is what the posture of God with steadfast love and faithfulness looks like. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and we will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Wow. Boy, do I want that. Boy, do I want that. What does that look like? 
Well, you see, we need to tap into our imaginations. I know people talk about Christmas being a magical time of year. It's the most magical time of the year. But you know what it really needs? It needs imagination. And the prophets in the Old Testament offer us a prophetic imagination to see what God's love and faithfulness can do. Because here's the truth. Are you ready for the, the unadulterated truth? The truth is this. Left to ourselves, peace doesn't stand a chance. Amen? <laughs> okay. Left to ourselves, peace doesn't stand a chance. We, we look at the world and we want to take hold of the steering wheel and we, we want to steer the world into our versions and our visions of peace. But here's the problem with our versions and our visions of peace. They're not big enough. They're not expansive enough. They're not large enough to hold this world and to hold your heart and my heart. So just imagine what the Prince of Peace could do. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. A shoot, a little, a little, little stick coming up out of the ground. A little baby. The wolf will live with the lamb. Yes. <laughs> Say that again. The wolf. Love that. <laughs> love that conversation. The wolf, not the wolf, the wolf will live with the lamb. Love it. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion, the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. A little child will lead them. Amen? The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den. And the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy in all his holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And a little child shall lead them. I think it's so appropriate that our children are in this service today. Right? It's so appropriate. Really is. You know, we have a group of people that every week they devote their lives to discipling children on purpose. And today they have a break, right? And they, we have these little voices, you hear them. Isn't that great? Thank you to those people who disciple these children who are learning the story of God. And, we, and if you want to join them, see Mary, but Mary Hardwick, but uh, thank you. And to hear their voices today is a gift. But that whole picture from Isaiah 11, that is the longing of the people of God through centuries. And correct that, I'm sorry. That is the longing for all people. Every human being, I believe, longs for that. The longing for the destruction of destruction, the longing for death of death, the longing of the defeat of war. Here's the problem. It's so unimaginable because most of the time we get swallowed up in for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And we get caught up in that. Yes, hate is strong. It mocks the song. But you see, true peace, if you want to talk about peace, 
It requires imagination, like the prophets. Here's the truth when it comes to peace. The reality is war and violence and power grabbing and greed do not take a lot of imagination. Caustic online posts, dehumanizing political rhetoric, just spouting cynicism and criticism, that doesn't take any imagination at all. You don't need any imagination to imagine that, really. All people have to do is live down, not live up, but live down to a description that Solomon gave when he looked at the ways of people. In Ecclesiastes 9, it says, The hearts of people, moreover, are full of evil, and there is madness in their hearts while they live. If you don't believe there's madness in their hearts, I challenge you to drive Amherst Street today and go shopping. <laughs> and you are going to see madness. Because it's been happening all week. If there's any illustration in the world this week about madness, Amherst Street's one of them. But seriously, it does not take any imagination to hurt, kill, and destroy. That's the easiest thing to do. But it takes a God-sparked imagination to embrace peace. Peace, though, for us often is defined as subtraction. It's a math equation. For you engineers and you mathematicians, it's math. And most of the time we think that if we just subtract something, we'll have peace. We, we seek to figure out what we can eliminate to create peace. We say, let's take away weapons. Let's remove war. Let's eliminate the power-hungry heads of state. Let's stop the violence. Or let's, let's have a cessation of hostilities. And let's stop the arguments in our family. And let's have the absence of stress and strains in life. But just taking those things away will not offer us peace. That is why the politically motivated ceasefires and peace talks hardly ever amount to actual peace. I'm not saying we don't do those things. And even in our own lives, when life is at ease, when we take away all the hard things, that does not translate necessarily to peace. You see, all of this, all of this speaks to us of a bigger peace, of a shalom, that beautiful, beautiful Hebrew word. That's the Bible's version of peace, and it requires an imagination, an imaginative vision, wholeness. Anyone here want some wholeness? How about some completeness? What about liberation? True freedom. What about true justice? What about relational harmony? What about a state of health and well-being? What about material provision and also economic justice? What about salvation? You see, all of those terms define that one word, shalom. We, we attach peace to it, but our meaning of peace is that we take away all the hard things, but, but shalom talks about something so much larger that requires an imagination. 
The prophets, as we've read, give us a taste for it. The psalmist whets our appetite for the one whom God has given to us. It says in verse 19, he has set the crown on the one who is mighty. I've exalted one chosen from the people. The one of whom it is said later in that psalm, my faithfulness and unfailing love will be with him and my, by my authority he will grow in power. So, what if peace, what if peace is a different equation? Peace. What if peace, the flourishing God desires for all human beings, hear that again, flourishing for all human beings. What if it's found in a different math equation? What if it's not a subtraction equation at its heart? What if it's simple addition? What if we determined that peace was about what we add that would align us with the vision of Messiah that God had all along from the very beginning? You see, that is what makes Christmas so incredible. This is it. This is it. This is the miracle of Christmas. This is what makes Christmas so amazing. No one could have imagined it. Who would have imagined Christmas? But God did. Who would have imagined it? And the meaning of peace changed that day. The meaning of peace was flipped upside down. where the peace that comes can only come in the kingdom of Jesus. This is what it sounds like. This is, this is it. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means, anybody? God with us. Talk about an upside-down kingdom. Time out, God. Where's the warriors? Where's the powerful? What are you doing? Peace here? Matt Leroy wrote this this week. The way of Jesus is a holy rebellion against the way things are. It embodies the culture of a different kind of kingdom that threatens to upend the conventional order of things and usher in the customs of heaven on earth. It takes imagination to not be satisfied with the conventional way of things. But to think, to believe, to imagine. But no one could have imagined peace this way. Nobody. Nobody. In the embodiment of the least powerful, the least positioned, with the least leverage for peace. We think we need to be the most powerful, the best positioned, have the greatest leverage to have peace. But there he is. Not much to look at that day. Kind of came into the world and people went, hey, did you hear that Joshua was born down the street? Another Joshua? I hear he looked kind of like a mess. Because he entered a mess to enter our mess. The one born who is peace himself. Wow. 
But now in Christ Jesus, St. Paul wrote, you who were once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Don't walk from here thinking that I think this is simplistic because I don't believe that at all. But I do want you to walk away from here and believe that there's a better way. I I want you to walk away from here and imagine that God could do something that you have not imagined yet and I have not imagined yet. What's that situation in your life? What is it? And you've lost imagination. What's that situation in the world? Your own nation. What's that situation at work? Whatever it is. I I hope you you walk out of here. I hope you read Isaiah 9 and and Matthew 11. I hope you read the the, the Christmas story of Luke chapter 2. I hope you're able to maybe come back here tonight when we kind of really talk about what it all means. I hope that you, you have a new imagination of what it could be like. Oh, I don't think it's simple. But all I know is the gospel tells us and life proves it that Jesus came to bring peace because Jesus is peace. He's the peace, the comprehensive way God desires it, the way the prophets imagined it, and how the gospel offers it. True and lasting peace, my friends, true and lasting peace can only come from God. A new kingdom Do you want a new kingdom where there's no evil, where there's no pain, where there's no discouragement, where there's no disillusionment? That can only come from God. I can't manufacture that. I can't do that. Do you want a real peace that meets you in the dark? That doesn't make everything all right? That doesn't solve all the problems? That doesn't answer all the questions? But somewhere deep in there, you know not only who you are, but whose you are. True and lasting peace can only come from God. Jesus Christ is our peace, He is our hope, and He is the future we hope for. It's not simply some form of spiritual medicine to relieve the symptoms of our pain. It is God adding his love and faithfulness to our lives. And that, my friends, that is Christmas. That's Christmas. That's what we wait for in Advent. That's Christmas. As Pastor Leo prayed, we wait. And once we get on the other side of Christmas, we wait again. We wait for God because we believe that God not only wants to, not only can, but will restore all things and make all things right. And we long for that day. But let me, let me just take it one more step. Can you let your imagination run wild just for a minute? I know it's church, I know, but can just for a minute let your imagination run wild? Because what if the math equation is not just addition, but it's multiplication? Not just about adding the Prince of Peace to the world, but what if it's also about multiplying the Prince of Peace in your life and in my life? 
What does it look like in my life when the Prince of Peace is added to my life? Matt Leroy went on to say this, ask a question. What will this reign of the king look like in my life? What will it? Next question. Next slide. What is changing in me because of his reign? What is changing in me because Jesus has come? What is changing in me? He says, I'm happy that the wolf and the lamb will work things out. I'm happy too. Well, what does that mean for my home? And what does that mean for my relationships? And what does that mean about the places that I get anxious? I, maybe you don't get anxious, but I get anxious. What does, it mean for the, what does it mean for the places where there's no answers to the questions? What does it mean for the uncertainties of the future? What does it mean when jobs are unpredictable? What does it mean when finances are un, unpredictable, unstable? What does it mean when loved ones are struggling? What does it mean when the diagnosis is not what you wanted? What does it mean when death has come? You see, what does it mean? What does this all mean? What if the peace we all have been personally looking for, this Christ who's come into the world, is multiplied into our lives? What if the relief from the anxiety that crushes us and the strife that plagues our relationships and the noise of life that paralyzes us, the confusion that scares us, the fears of the unknown and the unwanted that haunt us, the pain that drives addiction, the, the, the civil war that's being conducted within us, what if this... Thing, little thing called sin that's not such a little thing that subtly separates us from God what if this peace is not in creating conditions where hard things are absent but rather where something is more present multiplied in our lives this is how Jesus Christ put it peace I leave with you my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Not in the world's way. Not in the world's metric. Not in the equation of subtraction. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You see... My friends, that requires imagination. It requires Christmas imagination. Is he your Prince of Peace? He invites you to invite him to be so. But what happens if... What happens if the equation changes one more time and then we're done? What happens if it's not just multiplication, but what happens if it's compound the multiplication? Everyone are pretty, everyone's pretty familiar with compound multiplication. We think of it in terms of compound interest. But as we wait for God to make all things right and things don't seem like it's getting right, what if it's about compound multiplication? What do we do? 
What if God's math equation is even more unimaginable? What if right now, as we wait for the coming of our blessed Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, even as we celebrate his first coming, what if God wants to add you? He wants to multiply you and me into the world to show the world what his kingdom peace looks like. What if that's what all those gifts you gave that we gave to the homeless and those battling addiction and those people facing economic hardship, if you only could have seen some of the faces? What if all of that was adding God's peace to the world? What if that is what giving to good Sam is about? Maybe that's what this offering to Nazarene Compassionate Ministries is all about. It's God's math equation, his compound multiplication of his peace that he's given to the world, that he's given to you, and now he's giving through you and me. What if our efforts in January to collect resources for Route 1 Ministries or the opportunities to get involved in local partners like NeighborWorks or Southern New Hampshire Rescue Mission or the possibility of partnering with tutoring, what if all of this is because of the imagination of God to bring peace to our hearts and then through our actions for His glory? And what if every small act on your part to bring joy and justice and goodness and love to our world. What if it's God's imagination? It's rather mind-blowing, really. What if, what if your life, your life, my life, because of God coming and God coming in us through Christ. What if our lives, as the psalmist said, declare that God's love stands firm forever? What then? Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong will fail, the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill toward men. This morning, we invite you to peace, but not just in the world's version. We invite you to God's imagination of peace for your life, for your neighbors, for your world. Imagine forgiveness of sins. Imagine grace and peace. Imagine grace and peace to those around you. Imagine finding new ways to add God's peace to the world through you. Imagine the wolves in your lives lying down with the lambs. Left to ourselves, I can't imagine it. But one day, God did something no one could imagine. Emmanuel, God with us. And that changes the equation entirely. Our worship team is going to come now. And as they come, I invite you to pray with me this morning. Lord, thank you so much that you are our peace.
that it's not something, Lord God, that we have to try to attain. It's not something that we gain by setting our life up just right or subtracting things from our life, but it begins, oh God, with you. You said that you give us peace. So that tells us, Lord God, it is something that comes from you. It is beyond our imagination. But as was so well stated by our child in service today, the wolf will lie down with the lamb. Jesus, I pray that you would allow the wolf within me to lie down with you, the Lamb of God. I pray you bring peace to our hearts. And I pray, Lord God, that we live into the realities of what we sing today. For it's true, God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. He is with us. Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together.